There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. Hello and welcome to a very special bonus episode of the Power Chord Hour podcast. As always, I'm your host, Anthony Merchant, here with you with another episode. And you may go, Anthony, my good sir, what a, what makes this a special bonus episode? Well, I'll tell you what. This one is a special one because I am going to do an audio review slash just kind of rundown and talk about something very near and dear to my heart, and that is the replacements. I mean... If you have listened to the 40-plus podcasts that are on here or if you've been listening to the radio show the last few years, it's no secret. My uh, favorite band of all time, I mean, really last week's episode was uh, partly about that, talking about the Please to Meet Me box set, which uh, if you listen to that, I was bitching quite a bit because I did not get it yet. I did not get it in the mail. And then uh, magically a few days later, and uh, you know, I would, like to, I would like to think obviously someone at Rhino heard the podcast and they're like, oh, we got we to gotta make sure Anthony gets his stuff faster. <laughs> you know, I like to imagine that's what happened. And uh, I got that bad boy in the mail and uh, I've listened to it a couple times. And, uh, you know, got to enjoy it for a few days and thought I would come on here and, uh, you know, get a little rundown, talk about it, review it, because uh, there's a whole lot in here. And, you know, if you're a I mean, I assume you're probably a replacement fan if you're listening to this. But, you know, I guess the other side, too, is maybe you're a like casual fan and I'll kind of like walk you through what's in here if it's worth grabbing and whatnot. But I did want to make this a bonus episode because, I mean, I, I can go on and on about the replacements they get. I mean, really, if you're sitting at home uh, playing like Power Chord Hour Bingo, uh, I mean, like almost every episode, I'm either going to bring up the replacements or New Jersey Pop Punk. Um, and then I'm probably, there's probably other ones too that I can't think of off the top of my head, but I'd say like those two things are like in every single uh, episode that there is. That's, that's just how it is. But I didn't want to, uh, I didn't want to do this in a like full episode. Cause I'm like, that might just be boring to review that. Like if you're not a fan of the replacements, do you really want to hear me, you know, kind of like break down this, uh, you know, this box set? Like, I'm like, nah, I'll, I'll hold off. And then, you know, I'm like. We'll do a little bonus one. I thought it would be fun. It will uh, It'll be a little bonus one here and uh, just kind of getting into it. I mean, I, I will say off the top, I mean, I love All Replacements records, um, I re- and I really do. I mean, I know some people don't like All Shook Down or Don't Tell a Soul. A lot of people don't like either of them, but uh, I'm not one of those people. I love both those records very much. Um, I thought Dead Man's Pop was very cool last year, um, but I mean, I also didn't have a problem with the original, though. Like, the, like here's the thing with Don't Tell a Soul. What a big thing that people don't like about it is that it sounds like 1989. That's just it's just how it was. It was how it was mastered. It was how it was mixed. It sounds you know there's a lot of reverb on it, and uh, I don't mind that. Like there there are certain albums, and it's funny because I don't like every album to be. I don't want to call "Don't Tell a Soul" dated, but I guess I guess in a way I do. Um, you know, not and not in a bad way at all, but because it does sound like of its time. But I like that about it. Like when I want to listen to a record that sounds like 1989, like you know, a late nine or a late 80s, you know, like rock record. That's that's a go-to. And uh, you know, I mean, we're in fall right now. That's probably the most that might be the most fall uh, replacements record there is, in my opinion. 
Um, I, I think that one, most of their stuff does remind me of Fall, but uh, that I, I think Don't Tell a Soul has some of the most Fall-like songs on there. I mean, I think even just like Don't Tell a, or not, not Don't Tell a Soul, but a Talent Show, you know, like opening up with Talent Show even, like just the the kind of, you know, I mean, it kind of kicks in, but it's a little more mid-tempo, it's a little more relaxed and stuff, and it just, I don't know, something about it reminds me of the Fall quite a bit. I, I love that record. But uh, you know, I didn't I didn't mind it before. Like I didn't have a I didn't have a problem with it sounding like you know sounding like it was recorded in 1989. I had no issue with that. Um, you know, I think those songs are still good. I mean, because here's here's the other thing about that. You know, people also bitch about you know the the production and the sound on Tim because obviously you know Tim doesn't sound amazing. You know, the snare drum sound kind of sounds weird. If you don't know Tommy Ramone who uh, produced it. He was going deaf when he was uh, producing it and recording them, and uh, they did not know that at the time. So he was, uh, yeah, it, it ended up being kind of disastrous in that sense. And you know what? Yeah, to be honest, it's not the best-sounding record of all time. But at the same time, it really doesn't take away from the fact that, you know, like Bastards of Young is one of the greatest songs I've ever heard in my entire life, or Left of the Dial, or Here Comes a Regular, or Hold My Life. Like, you know, like it doesn't – it may not add to it, but it doesn't take away from it. And that's the same way I look at with uh, Don't Tell a Soul. I mean, The Replacements are a great example of that because throughout their career, you know, they have different sounds and different eras and stuff. And, you know, also different, like, recording budgets. You know, there's, I mean, like, the subject at hand, you know, Please to Meet Me, that has a pretty clean sound. I think that's their best produced record. That's their best sounding record, and I think most people would uh, would agree to that. Like, really, I think one of my favorite snare drum tones of all time is Chris Mars's snare on uh, Please to Meet Me. I mean, it just, it sounds so good. The drum sounds so crisp. Uh, the bass sounds really good. And actually, I think it's even kind of beefed up on the uh, box set here. And uh, and I like, I really do like the mix. I mean, I guess that also kind of goes with uh, with the remaster as well, because it was remastered for this box set. But uh, yeah, what, what I'm saying though is, I mean, I love a good slick sounding record like Please to Meet Me. But at the same time, uh, The Replacements are one of those bands that's a great example of. It doesn't matter what's going on with production. Those songs are just fucking good. Like, it doesn't matter. I mean, really. Like, it, like here's another one. You're getting married. I mean, that was a, that was a uh, Paul just doing that at home. I mean, he was recording on whatever the hell he had in, like, 1982. So probably not the greatest, like, you know, equipment. And he's just doing this recording of himself. And yeah, it's rough. There's times where it's hard to, I mean, like the, the guitar is like distorting, like not, and not like he has distortion on it. Like it's starting to peak. Like it's so loud that it it starts distorting on your speakers when you listen to it, you know, and his voice, you know, there's a lot of parts where you you can't really tell what he's singing, you know, entirely. And uh, I mean, that that's far from the only song that's like that, you know, he's kind of famous for that, but, but like that song. I think that's one of the greatest replacement songs. Like that song is so, and that's the other thing. It's haunting, which also kind of complements, you know, the production of it or lack thereof. And, uh, you know, is why it kind of has that haunting vibe to it. But I think that's one of their best songs. And it's like, there's, there's zero production in that. I mean, absolutely zero. If only you were lonely was another one, you know, not as lo-fi I'd say as you're getting married, but I mean, not, not a lot of production in there, you know, pretty simple, pretty stripped back. But, you know, a good song is a good song. I mean, Paul Westerberg, and I think he knows that because, I, mean, I mean, if you look at, like, his solo work, too, I mean, everything from basically this, this century, like, like anything since, like, 96 has all been pretty lo-fi, you know. I mean, there, there's been producers and stuff, but 
it, he likes to do the lo-fi stuff. He likes to kind of have it rough around the edges. He likes to, you know, record stuff in his basement and stuff. And those songs are still good. I mean, look at the I Don't Cares, the record he did with Juliana Hatfield. I mean, amazing. One of my favorite records of 2016. And, I mean, they I believe they did record that in his basement. And, I mean, it's, it's very rough around the edges at times. I mean, it's uh, not – it's another one of those where it's like the production of it is kind of the lack of production, you know, but it's, it's the same thing. It's like, it doesn't matter. Those songs are just so good that it really doesn't matter how it was recorded or how it sounds like the songs just stand on their own, you know, and don't get me wrong. Like once again, like production, I do like something to obviously sound good, but uh, you know, that the replacements are a testament to a band that doesn't need, you know, production, to make a great record, but you know, I'm pleased to meet me. It does sound great. Obviously they did that in uh, Ardent, the, uh, I mean the famous studio Jody Stevens works at from uh, big star and big star recorded a couple of their records there or actually really all their records there. And, uh, I mean, just legendary, legendary studio. I mean, that, that's just the tip of the iceberg of who's recorded there. I mean, just, you know, it's a who's who, I mean, it's one of the most legendary places. I did actually get to touch the uh, mixing console, that uh, they worked on in, uh, I, I think it's Studio B at Ardent that uh, they did Pleased to Meet Me at. But uh, they had it they had up a display at, uh, I can't remember what museum it was. It was in, uh, it was in Memphis. I can't, I can't for the life of me right now remember. I went to a few there. I mean, they're all really cool. But one of them had the console there that uh, they used to record on Pleased to Meet Me. And I obviously put my hand over the, uh, you know, the velvet rope. And I touched that motherfucker because... You have to. I mean, you just have to, you know. And I mean, if I'm not, I have to look at the picture. If I if I find it, maybe I'll throw it up on uh, on our Instagram page to kind of go along with this, give you a little more reference. But it, it had underneath like all the bands that were, had recorded on it. And I mean, I think Big Star may have been on there as well. I think REM. Um, I mean, it was a big old list. But yeah, I mean, tons and tons of bands have recorded there. Legendary Studio. And I mean, the record the record just sounds great. Really, I mean. You know, kind of, kind of the flip side of me going. They don't need production. This album just sounds so good. And I mean, them, them as a trio too. It's always funny to me because "Please to Meet Me" one hundred percent is my favorite replacements record. But with that said, like Slim Dunlap is. I mean, I love him as a guitar player. He's an amazing guitarist. I love what he did in the replacements. And Bob Stinson is like in my top three favorite all time favorite guitarists. But with that said, my favorite replacements record features neither of them. It, they, it's them as a power trio. Like, it is honestly amazing. Like, really, what Paul, Chris, and Tommy did, I mean, it, it's insane, really. It, it, like, and when you think about it, too, kind of going back to, like, with uh, All Shook Down and Don't Tell a Soul, I mean, I love those records, but look it. There are a lot of people. I shouldn't – I don't want to say a lot of people because that makes it sound like nobody likes the last two records, and that's not true. There's a good chunk of fans who don't, and I, I would definitely say like like more than maybe 30%. I don't know that I'd say split right down the half. I don't know because I feel like there's people. I've heard people who have also said they've come around to them or like they like one of them but not the other. So it's like I won't say it's split in half, but I would say a good 30 maybe to 40%, um, you know, don't care for them or, you know, maybe if they don't hate them, because some people just fucking hate them, like will not listen to them. I think other people are just like, they're not their favorites. You know, they, they don't really go out of their way to listen to them, but they maybe don't hate them the same way, you know. And I will also say this. I mean, I, I was born in 1992. I was born a year after after the replacements broke up. So, like, 
the way that I got into the replacements, Please to Meet Me was my first record from them, which is also probably part of why it's my favorite album. You know, I, I do acknowledge that. But like I got in in such a weird way, kind of as you do when you go back and discover a band. Like I didn't go in chronological order. So my thing is, if I was there from the very beginning and like I became a fan off Sorry Ma and Stink and all that, I can kind of see where once Don't Tell a Soul comes around and you get it and it's like, this is different. And like, I like a lot of things that sound like in the vein of Don't Tell Soul. But, you know, if you're, you know, if you just kind of straight up like punk music or what, you know, kind of like something more that, like more with an edge or a little, you know, the faster side of the replacements, I can kind of see where it probably would come to you as a, it would hit you. You know what I mean? It would hit you and be too shocking at the time and it would take time to digest. Like maybe years later you could look back and appreciate it. But I can kind of see where, you know, if at the time I was there, because I had already known it. Like I had, I had heard, uh, you know, I, I heard the hits off of it, like I'll Be You and Aiken to Be. And I mean, I, I kind of knew that it was like kind of a softer side of them before I heard the entire thing. But like I loved it. Like Talent Show, like the first time I heard it, I loved Talent Show. But at the same time, I also see the flip side of that where someone who, you know, like they they like lost it the first time. Like their life was changed the first time they heard Taking a Ride. Like you know, talent show is pretty different. And I mean, even even from the record previous with Please to Meet Me, I mean, I owe you, I think, I mean, what an album opener. I mean, God damn, is that an album opener? And that one is just so in your face, just a loud rock song that, you know, talent show does kind of come out with more of a whimper in that sense. And I love that song, but I mean, if we're just comparing them in that sense, and even most of their album openers, I mean, also look at Kids Don't Follow, look at Taking a Ride. Uh, I mean, even hold my life, you know, they didn't do it so much with uh, I will dare. I mean, I don't feel like, you know, that's not like a super, super fast song, but I mean, it's just such a solid song, like one of their greatest that like that was such a great way to open. Let it be, you know, but but also it was still different than I think how talent show came out. The other thing, though, it's interesting with that. If you've ever heard it and if you haven't, you definitely have to go check it out. Um, I mean, I would definitely go check out the Dead Man's Pop Box set um, with all those uh, Don't Tell a Soul songs, all the demos and rarities and a bunch of stuff that, you know, was never released before last year. But uh, the demos on there, a lot of those songs had more of a garage rock, just a, just a straight up rock band sound. And uh, the the demo of Talent Show is like it could have probably fit on like Please to Meet Me really without all the production on it, all the slick stuff and all the little added shit. Like that song probably could have fit on Please to Meet Me to be honest. And uh, and another one of those too, like if you don't like, this is the other thing, like the production, the production of those, if you don't like that on a, on that or all shook down, you're like, oh, it's not as, you know, they took out, you know, like, like it just doesn't, it's not as loud as like all the other ones. And it doesn't sound like just a straight up rock record, a really good bootleg to go check out is actually their very final show at a uh, grant park in Chicago on July 4th, 1991, their very last show. I mean, obviously until they reunited, but, uh, that one really kind of gives you that because throughout the set list, I will say the set list is very heavy on the last two records, but those songs mesh well with the rest of the catalog, like everything else they play throughout that set, everything works, you know, like it doesn't, it, it, you really do hear it where it's stripped back and you go, that's just what that song sounded like when Paul Westerberg wrote it, you know, like when the rest of them started jamming on it and playing it, 
that's what it sounded like before it got, you know, like like overly produced or too sleek or whatever, you know. So if you've never heard that, I mean, if you're a replacements fan, I take it you probably have, but I always say that for people. Like if you if your if your problem with the last two records is the production of it and the sound of it, I would say go listen to that bootleg and really probably anything else from that like All Shook Down tour and uh, you know, really hear that those songs, you know, like really had a had just a straight up rock vibe to them, you know, before all that stuff was put on it. And uh, actually, another one with that Dead Man's Pop box set. Really, I was kind of forgetting about it, but the live at uh, the University of Wisconsin on there—that's a good one because that's uh, they play uh, quite a few songs from uh, Don't Tell a Soul on that one, and you can hear that on there. Like those songs fit in with everything else they're playing, you know. And that concert too is just fucking great. I got to say, I mean, the covers on there are amazing. The, uh, I mean, just the set list that they chose to do was great. And, uh, I mean, like, Color Me Impressed, the version on there, probably the best live version I've ever heard. It, it's amazing. I, I love just hearing Paul singing on it. He's just on fire that night. And uh, it's also nice, too, because it's a nice uh, little – it's a nice look at the Slim era, too, with Slim playing lead on there and hearing his kind of take on, you know, Bob Stinson stuff. Because Bob Stinson and Slim were so different, you know. I mean, like, they, they were such different guitar players who ended up playing in the same band. But it's funny, like, when you think about it, like, their style and stuff. Both are amazing. Like, both are amazing. I love them both. Um, I mean, and like I said, Bob, Bob specifically, Bob Stinson in my top three all five or all-time favorite guitar players. Like, absolutely. I mean, he played like no one else. He was just such an unconventional guitar player. And uh, and that is something really cool, too, on the Please to Meet Me box set. You know, getting back to that is this one does have seven songs. If you didn't know, Bob actually did do uh, a few sessions with them back in uh, Minneapolis before they went and recorded down in Memphis. Um, and he the seven of them are on here. I, I don't know. I guess those are probably all that they recorded. I mean, I don't think they held out anything. This box set is, has quite a bit of stuff. I would be very surprised if they're holding anything from us. But, I mean, he did seven songs with them. So, I mean, on this box set, he did Valentine, Birthday Gal, Photo, which I, I love that song. That wasn't on the record, but uh, if you've never heard that one, one of the best uh, Please to Meet Me B-sides. He played guitar on Nevermind, which is funny because uh, a lot of people say Nevermind is kind of about him. So that that's kind of funny to think about. But, I mean, not to say it's not about him. It's just funny to think that he played on it. Um, also, IOU, Red Red Wine, and uh, Time is Killing Us. That's another one that was uh, – and that was actually unreleased up until now. And that's the other cool thing. I mean, there's – like, because they did do the uh, reissue of Please to Meet Me back in 2008, and that was actually my very first one. I got that back in 2008 once it came out, and uh, that was my first replacements album. I remember buying it at Best Buy, and uh, it would have been September or October of 2008. So, I mean, like this time – uh, however many, 12 years ago. Yeah. 12 years ago, that would have been that, uh, yeah, I got my first replacements record and uh, it's funny. I got, I got pleased to meet me and I also got social distortion, self-titled same night. And, uh, I mean, that's another one that's, uh, just, a, a, I love, you know, I love social distortion. That's my favorite record of theirs. Just another really big one for me. You know what? Shout out to Best Buy and Erie. I, I bought I bought throughout the years, and it's funny because, I mean, you can't even buy a fucking CD at Best Buy now. Like, you can't even go buy music there. They may – some of them might have vinyl. I probably wouldn't be surprised if they did. 
But, uh, yeah, you can't even go buy a CD there anymore. But throughout the years, it's funny because I did. I bought a lot of albums there that became, like, big. Same with uh, the other one off the top of my head is Never Mind the Bullocks. Here's the Sex Pistols. I remember buying that there. I mean, that's another really big one uh, for me. You know, it's funny. I I have – I don't really have – I mean, I have record stores throughout the years that I've been to and bought albums from. But really, most of my big albums – I can't say came from like some cool, weird indie record store. Like I bought the blue album from Kmart. You know, I, I bought my first Blink-182 album at Kmart as well. Um, you know, bought a lot of things at like FYE and shit. Like I don't, I don't have tons of like, yeah, I bought it at, you know, that, that little record shop, you know, downtown. Like, I don't, I don't know. They're all at like corporate chains, but shout out to Best Buy and Erie for, uh, you know, for, for doing it right by me with that pleased to meet me and social distortion that that fateful night but uh anyways that that 2008 reissue they did on cd um that had quite a few bonus tracks on it that uh, were never released before that but this one has even more this has stuff you've never heard anywhere and uh what everyone is saying and i mean i 100 percent agree with like the highlight i would say of the entire thing um i mean two the one the one hearing bob play on those because that is really cool but I think the best is there are quite a few Tommy Stinson songs on here that no one's ever heard. Like before now, the only replacement song that I've ever been aware of, and I think just about anyone else has ever been aware of, that Tommy sang lead on was Satellite. That is, that's the only one that's ever really been known of. And uh, there's four of them on here. There's four new ones. And it's insane to hear him sing. He, You know, his voice was good from the get-go though because I listened to them and and when you put them on like if you listen to them without listening to the rest of the box set you would just think that those were like bash and pop b-sides like and I mean that in a good way because that was that ended up being five or six years later you know so this is still Tommy I mean 1987 um he would have been oh man I mean I think he might have been 16 maybe 17 maybe i mean he was definitely under 18 and uh, i mean that's the other thing like i always i know that's such a big thing but it's like i always forget that he was 11 years old when uh, they started like because you forget that too because he's not that old now i mean he's like early 50s and when you start thinking about how long he's really been playing like that's when you start thinking of his age going jesus like that doesn't add up like when you really start thinking about it because like yeah you know he's 50 son you know he's early 50s but it's like yeah, but he's also been doing it since, you know, fucking, I mean, they put out their first album in 1980, you know, and then he was doing Dog Breath since, I think, 78 they started. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, he's been doing it forever. But, yeah, these those songs are probably the highlight. I mean, not only are they great songs, but, I mean, to hear Tommy sing on those, you know, kind of really foreshadowing what we would later get with Bash and Pop. I mean, it's really, it's been cool to get all these releases the last few years to kind of, you know, the bits and pieces. Same with the reissues for Friday Night is Killing Me and hearing those home demos and stuff and hearing more of like, you know, Tommy progressing through the years, you know, going from, you know, being the bass player to really, you know, becoming a front man. And I mean, a, a really damn good one. But yeah, I mean, there's there's four Tommy songs on here, even if it's cheap. Hey Shadow, Trouble on the Way, and Awake Tonight. And I mean, those are not only some of the strongest songs on the entire box set on all three discs, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's amazing to hear that. And yeah, the Bob the Bob thing is really cool too because it's different. You know, on uh, Please to Meet Me, the studio version, you know, Paul's playing all the guitar on there. And so, you know, you're kind of only getting Paul's style, which I love. I mean, he sounds great on that record. 
But this, you get to hear the leads where Bob plays them. You know, this is what it sounds like with Bob playing them. It, it, I like it. it. It makes me another one. It makes me think of is with Blink One Eighty Two when Scott Rayner was kicked out um, in between Dude Ranch and Enema of the State. Like, there's a few demos out there. Like, there's Mutt, and then I can't remember. I think there might be one or two others, but it's like that's another one that I would love to hear more of those because it really does. It, it's like. Whenever you wonder, like, what would Please to Meet Me sound like with Bob? Or what would, you know, Enemy of the State sound like with Scott Rayner? And it's like a look into that, you know. And, uh, I mean, Bob sounds great on the songs. You know, it sounds like classic Bob Stinson. Like, you hear him and you're definitely like, oh, yeah, that's Bob playing on him. And you can hear where it changes, too, you know, in the studio where, uh, you know, by the time Paul takes over. But, uh, you know, I I like what Paul does. The one thing I will say that's kind of cool, too, though, you know, speaking of uh, like Paul's guitar playing, to give him some credit as well, because he's a very, he's a solid rhythm guitarist. But you kind of start seeing how he plays and really how unconventional he plays. Like Bob's an unconventional player, and so is Paul. And they're different. Like Bob is an unconventional lead player, and Paul's like an unconventional rhythm player. Because when you listen, like what I love about what Paul does is he'll play a straight rhythm, but he'll start putting embellishes in there and he'll kind of do little like, you know, he'll just add little fills and do these little things in there so it's not just straight up, you know, just playing, you know, power chords or whatever. Like you start to realize how much of that is part of the replacement sound. Like you go like, why does no one else sound like the replacements? Why is no one? Because really it's like that's a band too where you try to cover them and it's like, I mean, there are good replacements covers, don't get me wrong. But you never truly sound just like them. Like there's no way to sound just like them. And I think part of it is also in his guitar playing and also his weird ass guitar tunings. But uh, you know, hearing hearing the demos um, are really cool because on some of those, you know, he's not playing on the finished product. You know, on the studio version, he's playing. You know, like, even though they're a trio, like there's definitely a second guitar on there at times and maybe even third. You know, so it's like he was in there, you know, layering things. It's all him, but, you know, obviously layered in the studio. But on some of those demos, you know, it's just them as a trio with him just playing one guitar. And you kind of start to hear, you know, kind of breaking down at its simplest, you know, what he's playing on those songs. But I and I would love to hear that because, like, I when you listen to, like, I think one of the other genius things about the Bob Stinson era of the replacements is that Paul and Bob, like, the way that they played, once again with that, like being so unconventional, they like their guitars would also just sync up so well, like what they were playing, that there's times where I don't think you can really split apart who's playing what. Like it makes this one awesome fucking sound, just this beautiful sound of loud rock guitar. But, you know, it's both of them playing, but it's like I would love to be able to just to hear that. Basically, I just want to hear the master tracks of just those, you know, because it's really like what both of them are playing is not what you would expect the average person to be playing. Like, you know, the average band, like if you're going like just color by numbers, like the way they play their songs is just so different. And it's part of what made them so good, you know, but it's interesting. Like that's one of the cool things about this box set. I think even more than dead man's pop is I think this one, you can really pull apart things from them. Like if, like if this is your thing, like if you're into, getting kind of, you know, seeing how an album was made, how it progressed and matured. I mean, because really, like, at the beginning of this, you're hearing it as the original lineup, like the four of them, like Bob, Paul, Tommy, and Chris. Like, you hear them, seven songs, 
and then you start hearing them demoing as a trio, and then there's like rough mixes, and then you hear the unreleased stuff that didn't make it, you know, songs that were going to be on there and then didn't make it on. And, uh, you know, it's really cool. You can really start breaking it apart. And, you know, also, too, the remaster sounds great. I mean, the new album, or not the new album, but, you know, the new remaster of it, you know, they didn't they didn't fuck with anything too much. Like, I mean, it doesn't sound like a completely different album, but, like, the bass sound, I think the bass, I'd say, sounds a lot better. It's kind of more beefed up. Um, that's, that's definitely a big one. Drums still sound amazing. But, uh, yeah, Justin Perkins did that. And, I mean, he did an amazing job mastering it. And uh, that that dude, he he plays, uh, or he did play bass in Bash and Pop. He did. He he do, he no longer does. We played with them for a while. I think he played on Anything Could Happen. Pretty sure he played bass on that. And uh, I mean, he played it. He played live with them and stuff too for a while. But he was also in a great band called The Obsoletes that uh, I, I've never played on here, but I play on the radio show. And uh, a really rad band you should go check out. I think he also played in Screeching Weasel for a while, or at least with Ben Weasel, maybe like I don't know, like ten, twelve years ago or something. But, uh, yeah, I mean, and a bunch of others, too. He, he's done a bunch of cool shit, basically. And, uh, yeah, did a really great job on this. I know he works on a lot of the replacements releases and always does a great job with them, um, with the remasters. And just, you know, really, like, that's the other thing. As much as I said, like, you know, Rhino, Rhino dropped the ball on getting this stuff out. But as far as the box set goes, they did a great job on it. Like, I, I do give Rhino credit because... I never, like, they have been putting out a lot of replacement stuff, like, the last few years. Like, you get something almost every year, like, the, you know, whether it's Dead Man's Pop, whether it's this, whether it was the For Sale Live at Maxwell's a few years ago, you know, like, or the Twin Tone box set for the vinyl or the uh, or the Sire Years box set. You know, like, there, there's kind of been something every year since they, uh, you know, since they reunited. But at the same time, Rhino also did uh, the best of that they put out in like 2007, and they also did all all those CD reissues back in like 2008, and all those were really good. Those those all had tons of uh, great unreleased songs and stuff on there. You know, like sometimes they'll put those out and they're just not worth it. Like unless you're like a hardcore like fan, like the it, you know they'll they'll put like really really rough home demos and stuff that you'll only maybe listen to once, maybe. But uh, on those, they put a bunch of, like, stuff that was never released before and, like, really good things. I mean, some being demos, some being home recordings, but also just, like, unreleased songs. So, I mean, Rhino does a good job with them and also does really good packaging. You know, and Bob Mayer, who wrote Trouble Boys, he works on a lot of these. You know, he, he does a lot. Same with Justin Perkins, like I said, mastering them. And, you know, they just have a great team really working on this stuff. So, I mean, it always comes out really good. Like, I always feel like it's fair, you know, like – Fair priced. I feel like I'm getting something good. I don't feel like it's a thing where they're like taking the bloated corpse of a band that I love and just selling shit to try to make a buck. Like I don't feel like that. Like there truly is a quality behind these box sets. So it's like I really do appreciate that from them. And uh, I mean the stuff I did end up getting the uh, biggest uh, pre-order package from them. So I mean I got the I got the box set and altogether it has three CDs and uh, a record. And uh, I, it, it's kind of weird. It, I, it's all right, but the record does have – I guess this would be one of my uh, – I've said all the good stuff I like about it. I mean a, a few little complaints like the record I wish had because it has like rough mixes on it. So it's like you get the album, but you get like rough mixes. Like I much rather would have had the remastered just version that was on the CD. Like they should have put that on there. But uh, yeah, you get one record, three CDs. But uh, on top of that, I also got a shirt, a nice Pleased to Meet Me shirt, a cassette with a uh, a really long interview. It's like a 40-minute interview with Paul Westerberg, uh, a cool little patch, 
a tote bag, a Please to Meet Me sticker, and a placemat, a replica of those original Please to Meet Me placemats that they that they did back in the day. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, the only thing I didn't get were the hand buzzers that they that they're only putting out like select record stores have them if you go get them there. But uh, that that's the only thing I didn't get, which hopefully I can find one of these days. But yeah, Rhino always does a really good job on like the pre-order goodies for these replacement things. Like the the paper dolls a few years ago were really cool. Like just always doing really neat stuff. So I mean, as far as that goes, like I this is a this is a night a nice box set. I mean, kind of kind of getting into my like review of it overall. Um, I mean, I would give it if I was rating it out of like a ten, I would say eight out of ten. It's if this is an album that you like, if you're a replacements fan. I mean, I would say it's a no-brainer. You got to grab this. It's it's really, I mean, there's just so much on here that it's well worth it. It's well worth your time. You know, it's not something where it's like, oh, I already have this album. There's a lot of shit on here. And even if you have that 2008 CD with those bonus tracks, there's still a bunch on here. Um, you do get those songs, like like I do. I don't I don't know. I don't know if there's anything else from this. Uh, you know, from those sessions. Like I said. I think we got just about everything, but like on the uh, on the first disc that has the remaster on it, it's great. But the bonus tracks are on that one, just basically that 2008 remaster and reissue. So I mean, you basically just get the same track list on there. I think they literally swapped like the last two songs, like the track listing. They like put the songs in a separate order, and that's about it. But those, it's really the other two discs. I mean, the remaster is nice. I mean, it's nice to have you know, remaster, please to meet me. But that album has sounded good since the beginning. So it's like, you know, that's just kind of a nice added bonus that's remastered. It's really not the selling point. You know, I mean, I don't think anyone's buying, you know, I mean, it's like $60, $70. So I don't think anyone's buying this for 70 bucks or for, for a remastered version of a record that already sounded fucking great. But it did. I mean, you know, it does sound good. It's a nice cherry on top. But I mean, the real, the real thing here, I would say, are those disc two and three, you know, and the vinyl, the vinyl's nice too. But like I said, I would have that. That's where I think the remaster would be nice where it's like, it would sound good on that record. You know, it'd be a nice uh, high quality version though. I do have, I don't remember what year they put it out. I have an older, uh, older as in like maybe 10 or 11 years old, not an original press, but uh, of pleased to meet me just by itself, not from the box set for five years ago, but like, I don't know, maybe like 2010, 2011, maybe they put it out. And uh, it's probably one of the best sounding records I own. Um, it, it just sounds amazing. They did a great job on that one too. But uh, this one I think would have sounded cool if it, if you got that remaster on the vinyl. And uh, like I said, first disc is cool if you don't have that 2008 one. If you do, it's it's going to be the same thing. But with those bonus remat or you know with the album remastered, so that's pretty cool. But yeah, you really want uh, disc two and three. I mean, all together, that's probably. I think maybe like 40 songs. I mean, quite a few songs we're talking about here. That that has, I mean, you get four Tommy Stinson sang songs. <laughs> sang songs. That that just sounds very odd. Um, Chris Mars, obviously, on All He Wants to Do is Fish. I Man, that one's been out for a while. But if you've never heard that one, that's on there. And, uh, you know, that's the other cool thing, too, is hearing him do uh, backing vocals. You hear it anyways on the record. But on a lot of those demos, he's doing things that you don't hear on the studio uh, version. I'm trying to think of which song it is. There's one where he sings part of the chorus. Like he's almost doing a back and forth with Paul, and it sounds really cool. There's really not a replacement song that they've ever really done that on. So like that, like that's the thing. Like there's so many songs on this 
that like really just show you like the ins and outs of this record that I think it's just so those those two discs are really for any replacements fan. I mean, that's the sweet spot really right there. And hearing Bob Stinson, I mean, those are the last recordings with Bob with the band. I mean, that's that if you're a fan is huge. I mean, to hear those is absolutely huge. We've heard a few of those over the years, but uh, not all seven of them. I mean, that's that's really cool to hear them. Um, the demos are neat. You know, it's cool to hear because one thing Paul does, and I mean, other other artists do this, but Paul is notorious for this. He improvises a lot of his lyrics in, in studio. I mean, it, it's well known. Like, he'll have, like, a line. Like, I, I think I remember reading this in Trouble Boys. Like, I believe it was Hold My Life. Like, he had the chorus, Hold My Life Until I'm Ready to Use It. But he didn't really have any uh, verses so he just kind of ad-libbed. Like, if I'm not mistaken, he just kind of improvised those lyrics, like, in, in studio. Like, he, you know, he's been known to do that. Like, he very much, there's songs where he'll tell you, like, because it's hilarious. Because, I mean, like, I mean, he's my favorite, you know, songwriter. But there's songs where I'd probably go, that line's so deep. And he'd tell you, it's like, he just kind of, he just pulled that out of his ass. Like, while he was, like, he had this chorus, and he knew the chorus was good, and the melody was good. So he's just like, but as far as words go, it's like not every line is really deep. It's like some of that stuff is just kind of, you know, almost pulled out of thin air. And it's neat to hear on here. There's a couple of songs that have like totally, I think Red Red Wine is one of them where uh, the demo, he's singing totally different lyrics, um, you know. So And some of them, some of them make sense. Some of them do, once again, sound like Paul Westerberg's just kind of ad-libbing while he's, uh, you know, while he is uh, in studio. And uh, also, I mean, there's a nice, there's a big old nice for the liner notes. Um, it, it has a big old master list to tell you what songs, who played on what, who worked on what, where, you know, where it was produced. And there's tons of like quotes from Paul and like everyone who worked on the album in there, like from like old interviews and stuff that like give you more like an insight of the songs. And like, once again, like this is really a good it, it's really it's kind of like with you know again just going back to Dead Man's Pop and I would actually say I I may like this this box set even more than I like Dead Man's Pop, but uh, well actually what I would say of that too is I think with Dead Man's Pop the main thing like hearing hearing the new mix of those songs with a different track list and really going back and kind of doing something like creative with the original Don't Tell a Soul like that to me was a was like one of the real highlights of Dead Man's Pop where I would say Please to Meet Me box set, it's more of the bonus tracks. You know, and there were some great bonus tracks, don't get me wrong, on on uh, you know, Dead Man's Pop. But I, I think the I the initial idea of, you know, just the the for, you know, the studio album, they really did that cool with Dead Man's Pop going back, you know, switching up track list, you know, I mean sounding some of those songs sound so different, you know. Uh, remastered, remixed, and just reworked like that. You know, we're on, we're on this one. Please to meet me. Like I'm telling you now, you go check it out. You really, you're, you're gonna want to hear all the bonus stuff and some really, like some really good unreleased songs on there. Like I said, like those are, those are some really, a couple really good ones I've never heard before. Um, a few like Run for the Countries on there, and it's cleaned up. It's the cleanest version of it I've ever heard. Um, you know, like, so it's really cool to get ones like that. You know, it's really, it's just all together. It's this great collection of that album. And with those liner notes and everything, you just get such an insight of what was going on, everything about it. I mean, it's kind of like a time capsule for the era of that band and that record, you know, and then that cassette as well with the interview, it was originally on a, uh, cause I've seen it for years. 
um, on eBay throughout the years. But that that interview was originally put out on like a promo, like seven inch, like back in the eighties. Like originally when Please to Meet Me came out. But it's cool to have it on the cassette. You know, that's kind of neat. And you know, with that, I mean, it's like forty minutes of audio of uh, him interviewing Paul Westerberg. So I mean, yeah, just so much, just so much stuff. It's just such a great, you know, like just tearing apart what is my favorite replacements record and really showing you the ins and outs of it and, you know, what was going on at the time. Because it was, it was an interesting time. You know, people wondered what was going to go on when Bob was out of the band. I think I think the three of them were wondering what was going to happen to the replacements once Bob was out. You know, like they kind of knew that they couldn't go on with him. But then at the same time, it's like he was such a big part of their sound. You know, I mean, you go back and listen to that stuff without Bob, they would sound like a totally different band, you know, and they did, you know, I mean, and and I liked what came out of it, but 100% they sounded different. I mean, there's no denying that they definitely sounded different without him. But, you know, I mean, just such a great, such a great box set altogether. I think it was really done well. I think they really put time and effort in this. And uh, yeah, I mean, I would give it an eight out of 10. I highly recommend it. If you've never, I mean, if you've never heard the album, I would probably just, I mean, you got to go check out this album at Rules. If you've never heard it, I mean, you could probably just do with, uh, you know, going and hearing any version of it. It sounds great. You know, it was greatly produced the first time around. Everything just sounds so good on it that it's like any version of it that you listen to is going to sound good. So, you know, it's probably not of your interest if you're fairly due to the band. But, I mean, if you're a Replacements fan, like, you know, any kind, hardcore or even casual, I would say this is this is worth it. You know, if you like if you like this record, you're going to like everything on this. It, it was really enjoyable, and uh, I, I'm just going to keep listening to it. I, I love it. I'm excited. We'll have to see what's next. I mean, like I said, they seem to – Rhino seems to put something out, like, every year. So I would assume – you know, I don't know how the Twin Tone stuff would work. I assume they own that stuff because they did release that Twin Tone Years box set a few years ago, and uh, they did do they did do the reissues back in uh, 08 on the CDs. They did still do the Twin Tone era. So I don't know. I mean, maybe they'll move on to that. But, I mean, as far as Sire era goes, I mean, we still got Tim and All Shook Down. And uh, I do I do hear people talk about Tim enough where, you know, maybe they'll go back kind of like kind of like they did with Dead Man's Pop and kind of rework it and, ima- and reimagine it and kind of do the same thing with Tim. Maybe not fuck with the uh, track listing, but, you know, go in there, beef stuff up, you know, make the make the bass sound better. Maybe try to fix the snare a little bit. You know, that that would be interesting to hear. I, I wouldn't be against it. You know, I, I think those songs sound great, but, you know, I wouldn't mind. You know, seeing what they did because I do trust them too. I mean, the people they have working on these, um, I, I think, are legitimate fans and care. So you know, like, like I think they'll go in and and do a good job. Like I know Justin. I mean, I know he's a replacements fan because in the obsoletes, I mean, they they uh, covered photo. I mean, and that and that already when they covered it, that I mean, it's still a pretty obscure replacement song. But even at that point, I don't even know where it was released because I'm pretty sure they did that cover before it was even put on the uh, on the uh, CD reissue in 2008 of Please to Meet Me. So I don't even know where they heard it. Like, So I know he's a fan. So like him working on this stuff I think is awesome. I mean, I, I think that's great. I think the people care. So, I mean, knowing that, I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind hearing someone maybe taking a crack at Tim and kind of working it again. But, you know, but at the same time, it's just such a great record anyways. It's like I don't care. But I would be happy to hear outtakes and demos and stuff. 
You know, replacements are one of those bands. They left us with a lot of music. You know, some bands you have like one album or maybe a handful, you know, maybe like a handful of full lengths and a couple EPs. Like the replacements just have, I mean, outtakes, demos, alternative versions. I mean, on top of all the studio albums. I mean, and live bootlegs too. They were always, I'm always surprised at that too. For being a band of the 80s and that stuff not being as accessible, like, it's it's insane how many well produced or like well sounding like soundboard rips or like just bootlegs like even from the audience um, that are out there and like all archived and stuff too online like all easily found and accessible and uh, sound great and, and include you you can hear the nights where they're off and the nights where they're on you know it's all documented very well. But, uh, yeah, that is my review. I mean, I, I think you knew already. I love the replacements. You knew it was going to be favorable. But, uh, I mean, even even without that, I mean, they're my favorite band. But even taking that out, I mean, this is just a well-put-together box set. You know, like, it's just really – if you wanted a box set that really just, like I said, the ins and outs of an album, like, if that's what you're looking for, like, I want to know everything about it, what it was like to record it what it sounded like throughout, you know, like this is really it. This is you seeing those songs become something, you know, and just absolutely amazing. So highly recommend. I would definitely go buy this. Go check it out. Please to meet me. Box set is out now from a Rhino Records puts that out. That sounds like an advertisement. It's not. I mean, I get this is actually, I guess, a big old free advertisement for the replacements in Rhino. I mean, I don't get shit out of this. I had to buy mine. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it, it's just true. It's it's really damn good and uh, well worth going checking out. So that's going to be this little bonus episode. Not even little. This is forty five minutes. This this is a this is almost a full episode. But uh, thanks for checking it out. And if you want to give us a follow online, we're at Power Chord Hour on Twitter, Instagram, on Facebook. We're on Spotify. We're on uh, we're all over the place on there. And obviously the radio show every Friday night from uh, 10 Eastern to midnight on 107.9 WRFA. And uh, I am still doing too. If you want to rate and review the podcast, send me a screenshot. You know, go rate and review it on iTunes. And I'll send you a PowerCord Hour t-shirt. So uh, yeah, you can send that to PowerCordHour at gmail.com. And also shout out. I know I brought it up last time on uh, the, the last podcast. But uh, India went from number three to now our second most downloaded in country. That is amazing. So thank you, everyone uh, listening over there. I mean, just absolutely amazing. They, they've like they've blown every other country out of the water. Like that's that's it. I mean, they come for the U.S. Become number one. That would be that would be cool. That is uh, that's so awesome to see it getting around the uh, world. So that is it. This is our little bonus episode. We'll have our October rundown here. Uh, this will probably be released probably Saturday night this will come out. So uh, look for the October rundown on Monday. Going to be recording that here in just a second. I'm going to finish this and then go record that. So uh, I'm a I'm a busy, busy man. I also have a, a interview for you here in a, a couple weeks that uh, I got I to gotta work on because uh, we had some technical difficulties. We'll get all, that all fixed. It'll be out there. That is it. Thank you so much for checking out this bonus episode. And for the Power Chord Hour, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thanks for listening.